Okay. I think I got this. Hey, Robert. Hey, finally good to see you, man. How's everything? Hey, good, man. How are you doing? I'm hanging in there, man. I was just telling the people live right now that um, uh, like the last two days, um, I don't know. I, I was saying, I don't know if anyone watches like the old videos. I had had a blue background. Now I have a white background because I literally painted this entire um office thing. And so I have gray on this side. Everything else is all white because everything was so blue. And I was like, yo, it's kind of bothering me. So I'm finally, yeah, I finally got the paint in. It looks better. I love it. So now I'm just little by little putting the stuff back that I had in this room. <laughs> you like the white better? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Way better. Way better. It was just, oh, my God. Actually, hold on. I could actually show it to you. Hold on. Yeah. So, wait. Can I do selfie mode on here or not when I'm live? Oh, here it is. Yeah, I mean, I mean the opposite. But this is what it looks like now. All this was entirely blue, and it was annoying the crap out of me. You like, so a clean, finally, you like a clean white wall. Yeah. And then I have gray here. And I have my little TV here. And this is just stuff I have on the wall. And that too, my friend gave me that. Um, he does a lot of calligraphy and stuff. So he gave me some of his pieces. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, so that's what I have so far. That's like your studio, huh? Yeah, because I have a three-bedroom. Um, there's my me and my wife's room, then there's my son's room, and then there's this room. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to use it as a studio slash man case slash office of some sort. Nice. So, yeah. And where uh, where are you? You're uh, in Brooklyn, is that right? Are you? Oh, no, I'm from Brooklyn, but I yeah. actually live in Bayonne, New Jersey. Oh, Okay. Very cool. Yes, I'm originally um, I'm originally a Brooklyn knight, though. Yeah, yeah, I'm from the East Coast. Uh, originally, I was born in Charleston, uh, but now I live out on the West Coast uh, in Reno. Um, I think I prefer it out of here on the West Coast side. Not to not to disparage the East Coast, but I do love uh, I do love the the waves. I think better on the West Coast and. The, the sunshine and the, the warmth. Um, yeah. But yeah, you guys, you guys beat us with, uh, I think, with foliage and trees uh, and mountain ranges. You guys got the Appalachian over there. Uh, we have the Sierra Nevada, which is, is pretty good, but I have to take the Appalachian over the Sierra, I think. But I agree. I mean, I, I don't mind the cold, but like, I, I'd rather be like, cool and and pretty much i'd rather sweat than the freeze to death basically i i don't really like the cold as far as like to freeze like i I don't i enjoy the weather but to actually like embrace the cold like that nah i i'd rather just be in a nice sun like you said honestly um i've been to chicago i've been to milwaukee but that's pretty much it yeah and i've been to puerto rico of course but that doesn't really count though does it (laughs) doesn't count (laughs) They're oh, part of the uh, United States, right? They're, uh, I get a it. Commonwealth. Pseudo it part state, of it. Yeah, they try to make it a state, but it's like, uh, they're like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you want to do that. I don't know. There's like a lot of reasons as to why they don't want to be a state, but. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, they can't vote, but they get like, I think they get like a lot of benefits. Like they don't have to pay certain things because they're not like a state. Like, but I, 
yeah, I don't know. I don't know very much about that. No, no, I get you. I get you. Yeah, man. So, um, so yeah, so welcome. Um, so in, in this case, even though we're live, but this will be episode two of my podcast. So for those who are here, welcome. Thank you for joining me. And Robert, uh, it's been a long time since I've been live. So it's like, I forgot so much has changed here on Instagram. And uh, for those who are here, I just want to apologize for the weirdness that happened a couple of days ago. It's just, I didn't know that when you tag people, now it sends them a message. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't know it did that. So there's all these messages on my um, chat. And I'm like, oh, okay. What did I do wrong? And then Robert Kazi had told me, oh, no, it's just they, they send it. That's why they, he doesn't tag people anymore. I was like, oh, whoops. I, I didn't know. I did not know. I've never done one before ever. So this, if I mess up anything or if I, if I nah, log out or something, you know, apologize. Profusely. All it's all good. So, all right. So cool. So welcome to the show. And I, I guess the first question, I guess I want to ask, like, where does the inspiration behind your writing come from? Um, oh, gosh, I don't know. A lot of different, uh, places, right? Uh, you know, I, I studied uh, English uh, in uh, college, uh, and uh, yeah, I was really, I was always into uh, poetry and poets. Uh, since I was in like, high school, I was reading, uh, you know, I was on to like, kind of on to like, poets in the same way that people are like, you know, will get into certain bands when they were younger. Uh, and kind of obsess over them for a little while. I would do that with like poets and writers, and uh, so I feel like I've always had that that kind of like itch. Uh, and then, yeah, studying it more in college, I think, really helped. Uh, going to Europe and uh, seeing that culture and that history, um, and I feel like I just get a lot out of literature in general. Like, if I could uh, consider myself like religious in any way, I think it would be with. Uh, with the books that I read. Uh, so yeah, I think it's, it's it's there in the words. I get something out of the words. Um, oh, awesome. Awesome. Um, so um, tell, I, I guess, okay. So tell me more about like, like what is the process when you're writing? Like, does it just come out on the fly or is it something that you're just like, Hmm, this is what's on my mind. Let me write about it. I I think it's, I don't know. It's probably a little bit of both. I mean, I'm sure you've had this. I feel like there's a, there's like a preliminary stage uh, where you could have have these, they're not even like really formed ideas, right? They're like half ideas where they're like uh, emotions or sensations. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, you just like kind of hammer away at that and just kind of, you like vomit that out first and get that out of your system. And then you just go back in and most of it is, I think, editing. Like, I think most writing is, is going back and, and like, fixing all of the garbage that you, like, put down on the page first because it didn't come out right and it doesn't exactly make sense. And so you, like, look at it on the page and you're like, okay, what does that actually mean? What am I trying to say? How do I want to, like, make that into a line? Uh, so, yeah, I think that there's, like, there's the the first stage of just getting the idea down on the paper in, in its raw, rough, ugly form. And then there's like the rest of it, like 80% of it is like, is fixing it, tweaking it, like 
I like every word, you know, like paying attention to whether or not, uh, you know, a word is, is the right word. And, and then you do that and then you put it away and then you work on something else and then you come back to it and, uh, uh, with new eyes and then you fix it. And I think that's like the majority of how I work on it. Although sometimes like you get those, those like flashes of brilliance where it all comes out right in one, one sitting and, uh, but those are like, those are so rare. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what's your process like? I'd love to hear you. Well, it's interesting. It. So, um, it, you know, it's interesting because when I was, oh my God. Okay. I'm trying to think because what well, I think what made me want to write, because I used to see my dad write a lot. Like he would isolate himself in his room and he would just write. I don't know what he was writing. And I remember one day I was just like, going through his stuff because he wasn't home and I was like, oh, what? even though it was in Spanish, I didn't really understand what, what he was writing, but I'm like, he had like these stack of papers. It was craziness. And I'm like, Man, he must have a lot in his mind for him to write this much stuff. And uh-huh. the thing is, my father would say to himself, he was never the kind of guy that would like really sit down, talk with you, especially like old school um, Puerto Rican culture, like, they're very like that. Like, they don't really talk about they, they came from a time where they don't really talk about their problems. It's more like they're private and that's it. So I don't know the exact moment, but I can say there was a day I was in the cafeteria in junior high school, and I believe they were doing this thing where um, the, the high, the, that, yeah, junior high school, they were doing this thing where uh, they'll publish, like, their school book thing and they have poetry and short stories and I was reading them and I was just like now I want to write you know but I don't I I don't know why I wanted to write but it was something about the writing process that made me just grab a paper one day and I just started writing whatever my mind was you know and and I don't know if this happens to you but I know what I don't know if this is with everybody but I know with me, you know, when you first start writing, you just write stupid stuff. Like, it's nothing, anything, like, powerful. It's just, you're just writing whatever stuff's coming out of your head. And then little by little, um, I would say once high school came for me, it was more like, I started to expand my mind more because I had teachers that were um, older than I was. Well, I mean, obviously they're older than me, but they... They had an interesting way uh, way of speaking, I guess you can say that, because I had a few teachers that I would stay after class, uh, my global history teacher and my English teacher, for example. Um, when they were in, in like doing their teacher stuff, they, they were in bands. And they introduced me to bands like um, Led Zeppelin, Molly Crew, and then they also, you know, um, not, I don't want to say Nirvana, but anything like before Nirvana, basically, like all those artists and I don't know it was something about the way they wrote that I just wanted to write I, mean, I want to write like that what like how do you come up with words like I don't know I just had this thing where I just started writing 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 and I look back now compared to how I write today and I'm just like wow I've really come a long way but the process it's like I could be thinking about nothing and then for some reason I'll just come up with something off the top of my head and then I'll look back I'm like okay wait I I don't even know what this means I don't even understand what I wrote. And sometimes the things I write, it's kind of scary sometimes because it's like, okay, where's this direction going? Like, I'm the kind of guy, like, I'll look at something and I'll dissect it. And then I would be like, wait, where, where, what part of my brain did this come from? 
and and how did this come this way like how, how did i come up with these words to put together and does it make sense i don't know but to me even though it's deep but it doesn't make sense to me but yeah i like it so i don't know it's like i guess that's the best way to describe it it just like i'll look at something and then out of nowhere i'll just come out of nowhere just like i don't know just start writing stuff yeah but i guess that, the that, wait isn't happened? that weird that you don't like it's almost like it's not you, it's something else. Like, I think that's why it, back in the day they used to talk about, like, a muse, how it, you, you know, poets and writers used to get their ideas not from themselves. Like, they didn't self-generate them. They they would say that they got it from a muse. So, like, some other force that you have to, like, barter with or, like, uh, offer sacrifices to to, like, get something from them and a lot of the time that seems like true psychologically because you don't know where they come from. You don't know where your, your ideas come from. And when you put them down on the paper and sometimes they don't like look like they're yours or, or it doesn't seem like that would be something that you would think about. Uh, So I like that idea of like a muse of like, you're getting it from somewhere else, from somewhere outside. It's not outside. It's in your head, but it feels like it is outside sometimes. Uh, and I think when you conceptualize it like that, it's it's uh, it maybe helps the writing process because you can kind of let yourself go and be like, okay, like I'm going to let it come to me instead of like trying to think about it. Um, yeah, subconscious. I would call it like the I've called it like the preconscious before. It's like the stuff that's like just uh, underneath, like the level of like when you're conscious and you can actually like apprehend it. Uh, but yeah, it's really weird. I have no idea where they come from a lot of the time. And, um, you just kind of like, you kind of hope that they do come to you and, and that you can make something out of them. Yeah. Um, wait, Mar plus three plus three says, I feel the poetry process is a self-exploration uncovering layers. Yeah. That's that's Marianne. Hey, Marianne. Uh, Hello, Marianne. But yeah, I think so too. Um, you know what's funny? I always wondered, like, you know how some people say, oh, um, maybe you had a past life and stuff. So I wonder if, like, if I had a past life, is this what my past life went through? And why yeah. did it go through this kind of thing? Or, like, is this the way he he or she used to think? Like, yeah. That's sometimes I think about that sometimes. Like, wait, where did this come from? Yeah. Do you believe in, like, other... Other past lives, or so okay, okay. So, with me, it's weird because okay, so I'm a born again Christian, but like I understand that you know, like even though I'm supposed to focus on just Jesus and that's it, but I, I, I'm more, I'm very open minded to a point where like I understand that you know, not everybody believes in it, and I'm the kind of person like I don't mind having a conversation with you about whatever, whether you believe it or not, or where you will follow religion or not you know there are some christians in the faith that don't agree with you know how i think and stuff like that but that that's you know it is what it is i you know i understand that not everyone's gonna agree with everything i say and i I get all that but with me you know like i just don't like basically the main principles biblical principles of jesus i i obviously I, i don't mess with that i don't touch that as far as like I don't question that. If that's what it says. That's it. But then there's other stuff that I'm like, okay, yeah, I like to question it. I like to question that because it, it's a good conversation. So I feel like if we don't 
question things we don't understand or we don't really think outside the box just so we can get a clearer understanding of things in life. Then I just don't see why, you know, like, like what, what, what sense does everything make that, you know what I'm saying? Cause the thing is, I know people who are very into their religion and then there's, they refuse to let anything that outside of their um, surroundings, um, how do I explain that? Like they refuse to let anything be open-minded to them. They'd rather just be closed-minded and that's it. And this is what it is. Mm. Like, I understand the whole firm believeness, but, you know, you got to have enough discernment to understand, okay, but you need to be up to date with what's going on too, you know? And how does that align with each other some way, some form? How do you deal with it? How do you handle it? Stuff like that. I think that's what's missing a lot these days. But I don't know. That's just my opinion. But, and then there's this other part of me that feels like, I feel like, we could have had a past life somewhere, some way. And I don't know, like, I, I always wonder, like, I, I, I don't think something just came out of nothing and that's it. You know what I'm saying? That, I don't know if that makes sense, what I said. Yeah, but, you know, Plato, uh, he had this idea that, uh, you know, we did have, we, uh, we had like a life before we were born. And when we, when we learn something, we gain knowledge that's, actually just like us remembering something that we already knew like from a previous life uh so i feel like that idea goes back uh you know i i, I used to always think of it as like a, an eastern kind of thinking but uh it's in plato too and, and he talks about it and uh i think it's an interesting uh maybe thought experiment or like mindset to to get yourself in uh because it generates maybe some like spooky kind of uh, of thinking, kind of like an out of body and existential like framework. Uh, maybe lets you think thoughts that you wouldn't have otherwise thought of without that premise. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if I totally. I'm not sure if I believe in that or not. I think I'm pretty. I'm pretty. Uh, uh, agnostic when it comes to any of that stuff, but I like using them as like thought exercises. Um, yeah. No, it makes sense. Makes sense. Um, all right. So I'm having an issue with the chat. How do I see the chat? I noticed um, before I used to be able to just tap it and then you can see it. Now I can't really. Can somebody uh, help me out here? <laughs> No, so um, I They're guess I want to know if anyone has questions or not. But um, so I was going to ask too. I guess um, do you want to read a piece of yours <laughs> to give you an example of how you write and and stuff like that? Uh sure. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's see. Um, yeah, yeah, I could read, uh, something. Let me see if I can find a good one. Um, what's the one that I really like? What, what's that? No, no, I was saying hello to people that was just coming in. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I really like this one. and this is one of those ones that like just came out uh i think like perfect uh one night um when i was 
uh, like studying, I was learning about this term called like modus vivendi. Uh, like sometimes a lot of, sometimes a lot of the way that I'll generate ideas is I'll just like, you know, I'll usually be studying a subject or having an idea that I'm pursuing uh, a topic that I'm really interested in. And sometimes it's, uh, it'll, it's a big topic. Like I wrote a whole book, uh, about, uh, a guy called Bodhidharma, who is this medieval monk, uh, who, uh, went from India to China. And I spent like a whole year, like studying like Indian literature and Chinese literature and and other times I'm just like, I'll find like a phrase online that I'm really interested in. And, and then I'll, you know, it'll help me generate an idea or I'll have something that I want to say about it. And one of them was, uh, I was looking up this term called modus vivendi, which means, which is Latin for like a way of life or a way of living. Uh, and it was used, uh, I think at the end of like, I think at the end of like the Napoleonic Wars is a way of like, kind of letting things be after a war and, and, uh, and so that like reading about that has, uh, made me write this poem. Uh, and so this one's called modus vivendi. Um, it says, let's treat everybody like they're their own country. I will be the nation of Robert Stan, a monarchy. My people will think of their King as a philosopher who will extort from them all their hard labor. With other countries, we shall maintain relations as a delegate in the house of an United Nations. We shall voice our thoughts as the concerns of a people proud in character, sober in the law, and spiritual in the convictions of fellowship and camaraderie. And we shall recognize our neighbors, our boundaries north and west, south and east, where their peoples, too, are like tapestries of intersecting history, made new every third generation, in revolution for some cause dear to their hearts, or in a duty upholding their laws. We shall deal with one another most diplomatically, exchanging ambassadors, erecting our embassy, imparting gifts of ancestral sentiment, earthenware from my dynasty, and from you a statue for my square, we shall learn from each other as one studies a culture, admiring its milestones, its monuments that endure great upheavals, achievements recorded in annals. We shall entertain customs and open new channels, trade in our mutual prosperity, swap beloved recipes, perhaps even war shamefully and spread disease. Perhaps we may rise up out of arrogance or injury not knowing ourselves or who we would like to be. Perhaps we will tear ourselves apart in civil war and fleeing destruction overstep a shared border. Would you offer shelter then, impoverished as we are, or with diffidence and austerity review us from afar? Would you posture and prevaricate your dismissal, maintaining both positions, official and unofficial? Or... Would you come to find your people and mine, our votus modus vivendi, has circumscribed another line around us both, that we are really half of each other, living under the same roof, without another. Wow, wow, that's that's deep. 
you know it's funny too like um i because the way you write like you tell a story but it's not gonna say hey i went to the park no you're saying i went here because you know what you know whatever your reasons are but then like but you're describing it in a way that's like a whole like okay like wow that is you know what's funny you know what i got it is too um i thought about as you're reading that i was thinking about allen ginsburg the beat generation because he was the kind of person that will go to different places like rallies and stuff like that and he will write about what was going on and he will go asking around um other people to see what they felt about the situation and he will write about it and, mm-hmm. and like, as i'm hearing that i think about Allen ginsburg in it as well yeah yeah i could uh i could definitely pick up that that kind of voice too that kind of like and now when it's like uh like a we the people kind of voice, right? Like he's writing not just about himself or with himself as the as the narrator, but it's it seems like it's a collective kind of voice, right? Like a voice. It sounds cliche, but like a voice of like a generation. But he definitely yeah. when, when I listen when I read his writing, it seems like he's talking in the voice of a large group of people who have certain concerns and a certain way of looking at the world and. Uh, and yeah, I think that's what I was trying to do here too, is to imagine yourself uh, as a nation you're, you're, um, of a multitude of people existing within you, and and you're you're fighting yourself, and then you're fighting, you might be fighting yourself one day, and in civil war and conflict with yourself one day, and then the next you're you're in conflict with another nation or somebody else, and and they're a collection of all these different ideas and um, impulses and emotions too, you know. Um, Wow. Uh, Robert Kazi says he loves the question lines, he said. Oh, thanks, Robert. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, uh, I think they kind of drive the the poem forward. Uh, I didn't even realize when I was writing it, too, uh, that it was uh, like a rhyming couplet kind of poem. I got like, I think I got like five or six lines in, and then I realized that I was rhyming each line, and I didn't even intend to and then i was like all right well i guess it's got to be like a rhyming couplet thing now and that was the challenge as i worked my way through it and uh i found that really entertaining to write and it all came out like that in like one night so i was pretty happy with that one which like never happens wow that's that's phenomenal bro (laughs) i love that i love when something just comes on the fly like that and then you're just like i I had a piece like that i wrote like I'm going to say it was exactly like seven pages long, but it was like uh, on a piece of paper. And then I had to, my friend got mad because she didn't have that much paper left on her printer. So I just thought I'd print the paper printer because she got knocked out and I'm just writing. And then I realized I thought I was, okay, I'm tired to go. And then my friend's like, well, okay, what, what the hell happened to my, because I basically took all her printer paper and I was like, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. I told her what happened. She's like, you're buying me a rim of, of paper. I'm just letting you know right now. I'm like, okay, yes. I'll go to Staples. I'll get you a whole, I don't know they call them, rim, rim a reef, or what do you call it? A that? reef, a ream of paper. Ream of paper. Yeah, I was like, okay, yeah. I'll buy you a ream of paper. Like, we're fine. It was like $20, but whatever. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, you, should treat, I, I your, you should treat everything like a writing uh, surface that you can use. Like I'll have sticky notes and uh, notebooks and uh, 
books themselves, like any that you can write in. Uh, my phone's been really helpful with that, though, now that I've gotten notes and I've gotten a better phone. But yeah, it's just like so much of what you write is garbage, I think. Uh, but if you just write enough of it, eventually you can pull like gems out of that, like line, a line here or there. Uh, yeah, you find like a sticky note with a couple of lines that you like and then you can use them somewhere and, and then you build a... Uh, like a Frankenstein's monster of a poem together, yeah. and, and somehow it, it sounds good. I love when the process. I love when the process is like that. That this time I've looked at certain like because I have a lot of free writing on my like Google Drive. I I, I trans everything I had on a computer and stuff. I transferred onto a Google Drive, whatever. But I still have like actual pieces of paper. This time I look at something. And I'm like, oh, I like this sentence. Let me use this, and let me see where I can go from there. Or I'll take, let's say, six different free writes, and I said, okay, I like this line, I like this line, I like this line, I like this line. Let me put this on. Okay, there you go. There's one poem right there. <laughs> and it, yeah. it became something from different places. Like, I love that process, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 awesome. And, and, you know, I think that's something you can do in poetry that maybe you can't do in other forms of writing because in poetry there's this inherent uh, sense of, like, ellipsis like, because each line you can think of uh, as its own, like, as its own thought or having its own intention. And and so you can put a couple of lines together that seem disjointed. But when you put them together uh, and you're reading poetry and you know you're reading poetry, your mind is going to try and connect them in some way. And so the audience participates in the space between the lines that you write. And so you can write two or three lines that did not come from the same writing session. Uh, they come from different writing sessions, but you put them together and the the reader's mind can like, can put the pieces together and make sense of it somehow in a way that they wouldn't if they were reading like prose, because in prose you have the sense of like linearity that each sentence is supposed to connect logically to the next sentence so that it builds up to a complete idea. But that, doesn't always have to be the case in in poetry. Uh, you can you can kind of work with the form of poetry, which is is I think it works a lot with this idea of like ellipsis, which is to like leave something out or unsaid. Um, and that's actually we get like the compression and the speed of poetry. Mm, okay, so okay, because um, okay, I have a question because um, you are a teacher, right? If I'm not mistaken. That's what you do. Yeah, yeah. Teach uh, English, yeah. Uh, so, in journalism. Okay. Oh, that's dope. That's awesome. Um, okay, I got a. I have a teacher question. I guess is my question. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, I just <laughs> no. So when it came to poetry or writing, right? Because every English teacher I've had, I've heard different things, and and I'm like, okay, I don't know what the real answer is to this. So I'm gonna try to answer, ask this question as best as I can. So when it comes to poetry, right, is there or is there not a right and wrong way to write poetry, I guess is my question. And the reason why I ask this question is because, like, I'm used to, because I was always taught, like, I guess in junior high school when it came, because every poem that they presented in class, whatever, at least from school, whatever, it was always stanza, 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 right? But then when I read pieces like Allen Ginsberg, all his pieces are not always like that. They're like these long sentences with comma, comma, sometimes he doesn't even have a period on it. And I'm like, and then there's these, you know, like you say, you talk about free, um, 
you're talking about prose, you were talking about muse, stuff like that. Like, I'll be honest with you, I don't know these terms. Like, when I write, I just write, and yeah. I just set it up you know, according to what the thought should be. Okay, this is one particular thought. Okay, that should be a stanza. The next stanza is a different thought. But sometimes it won't be um, a whole paragraph. It would be, like, three lines. Okay, that's one stanza or something. And then the next stanza, it's a different thought. It'll be four or five lines or something. But it's mm-hmm. like one sentence, but in a structure of like three lines or something like that. And I see a lot of people write like that. Some people write it differently. Sometimes people write it in the form of a paragraph that looks like a story, but it's really a poem. And mm-hmm. so and that's why I asked this question. Yeah. I, I spent a lot. Of <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough question. Uh, is there a right way to write poetry? Uh, I would say like, like if I would tell my students, I would tell my students, uh, you know, there's no right way to write poetry. I think poetry is, uh, let's see, poetry is a, it's a medium, uh, of writing. It's a type of writing that you do. Uh, and writing is, I think, intimately connected with thought. Like, I don't think that there's a difference between writing and thought. I think it's an extension of thought. And so there is really no way, no wrong way to like write your thoughts down. Like, and I think that's how people talk about poetry as like a a form of expression for your thoughts. Um, And I think when you think about it like that, then yeah, you can take any, there is no form. There's the form kind of disappears and it's however you can get your thoughts down in a way that makes sense to you and that you find beautiful or useful to you. Uh, I would say that there is uh, like a tradition of poetry, though, um, and and the tradition is kind of the forming of of thought to certain patterns of sound and sense, uh, and so there is like a structure that's imposed on the thought, and, and I think that's those are kind of the rules that you learn in poetry, uh, and. And in certain eras in history, in the history of poetry, there have been like certain ways of writing poems. Maybe, you know, you would write in stanzas or you would write with a meter. uh, And that was kind of how you constructed the poem. Uh, And then, you know, people play with those forms and then eventually they break them apart and they they mess with those rules. Uh, So I think if you think about writing as 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 just an extension of thinking, then there's no real right way to to write a poem but i think that there is a tradition of poetry that is useful to use uh and that has to do with with uh with sound and with sense and so the the ordering of the 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 rhythm uh of the words the weight of the words and then like the way that you organize them into lines like i think that there is a tradition there that you can learn from um and that it is useful uh, if you study poetry, if you want to write poetry like seriously, uh, then yeah, I think that there is a tradition that you can learn from. But you can write poems however you want, uh, and I think that that's fine too. You know, right? Okay, good. Because okay, that's like the realest answer I've ever had. So thank you for that. Because it's like I oh my god, I've had teachers that would say like, oh no, but it's a, it should always be this way, and I'm just like. You know, otherwise it's not a poem. It's just a bunch of thoughts. And I'm just like, okay, but like, so I shouldn't call my 
stuff poems like and that's why it gets all like that get, i guess that's when a situation like that gets so diluted because i'm just like wait a second so if it's not a poem what is it a thought it's just a free verse like what um like you know what I'm saying? like I, as far as the terms like i don't know the terms that well so i just write accordingly to how my mind processes the thought and i just write it how i guess my hands um i don't know if that makes sense like my hands just wherever it goes that's where I, that's how i write if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've tried out a bunch of different ways. I think as, as just exercises in, in writing poetry is, uh, you know, I'll, a line for me, sometimes when I'm writing a poem will be like an entire thought. And I'll be like, I'll have a complete, I'll have a complete thought. Like in the poem I read it, you know, it starts, let's treat everybody like they're their own country. So that's a, it's a complete sentence and it's a complete thought too. And so that's the mode in which I wanted to write the the poem in, because that was maybe the first line that came to me was, let's treat everybody like they're their own country. And it came out like that. And so that's the whole complete first line. And so then for the next lines, like that's the rule maybe that I have established for this poem. And so then the, the next lines are going to be like all complete thoughts too. Um, and so that's kind of how the poem works. And there's some enjambment when the thought like is is extra long, like double long, then I'll enjam it and go on to the second line. Uh, and, and so maybe the thought will be like two lines long. I don't think it gets longer than two lines in the poem. But so I, in the process of creating it, I've created the rules for that poem. And I and the rule is something like I want my my line to be as long as my thought. Uh, but there's other times where I've written, you know, I've had a thought. And I, it's very complex and it's compressed and it, and it's, it's so complex that I need to break it up the thoughts into like two or three lines. And then I might break it up in terms of like, I don't know, a, a clause or a phrase. Uh, Cause maybe the phrase is so important that it needs its own line uh, or it's so vital to understanding that it needs its own line. So I'll break the thought up based on these phrases that I think are important Um and so it's like a way of ordering your thoughts on the page. Uh, and that's why I think it looks different than, than prose. You know, if we, if poetry is anything that separates it from prose, it's like the fact that you have these line breaks. Uh, and so they mean something and you can use them and mess around with them. Um, and that's, that's maybe one way of, of, that I write a poem or that I think about writing when I'm in the process of it. Okay. That makes sense. And Robert says, uh, I've, I have yet to follow a consistent rule of poetry while writing. I think that's what it is Robert, too. you should I try mean, it, man. <laughs> you should oh, try it. You take a form, you know, try a, try a form. I love the sonnet. Like I've been obsessed with the sonnet for a long time. And I feel like that's like almost like the perfect form of poetry for for at least for english like i i think it might be different for other languages but i think that the reason that it's so popular in english is because it's a great form to 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 tell us a short little story or a short little thought in like 14 lines and um, right okay so okay so because now you brought it up now so it's great so there's there's different uh, I guess so. Sonnet that's considered a style, right? If I'm not mistaken, that's considered a style of poetry. A sonnet, I would, I, I think, a, I would call like a poetic form. 
it's a it's like okay. a form. Okay, I have written a sonnet with Hyrule. Yeah, yeah, I, I know about that. Um, um, Robert Kazi. Yeah, um, Hyrule. Yeah, he's very big on that. Um, he writes like surrealism and stuff. That's like his genre of, of writing and and painting and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I know Jared. Is how you say Jero or Gyro? Um, Hyro. He's from Hyro. Spain. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I know. I know him. I like his uh, his art, uh, his paintings. He does really good paintings. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know he's into like surrealism. Yeah. I listened to a little bit of. Uh, I listened to a little bit of your podcast. You did a, an episode with him, I think, and I listened to a little bit of that a, a couple of days ago. Ah, okay. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, that was from like the second, yeah, it's like, this is like my third season. I mean, honestly, I don't know where it's going to go. I just do it for fun. I, I love, I, like I always told Robert Kazi and everybody else, uh, when I do this, it's just because I feel like there's a lot of stories that need to be told. And I feel like not everybody in this life has the opportunity to do so. So I figure, you know what, let me do this just so we can tell stories. And then let's say when we're older, we can look back and like, wow, it's pretty cool because I remember that, you know, because it's like I want to create memories. I want to I, I want people to hear stories, if that makes sense, you know, like kind of like what we're doing right now, you know, because there are things that people don't talk about. And it's not about. Oh yeah, like like famous or whatever. It's just I, I just do this for fun because I just love to have conversations with people, and it's like this is the perfect way for me to interact and like because like think about it, like in biblical times, right? They always wrote things down and then they eventually published it. And they eventually, you know, they get passed on and stuff like that. But now podcasting is such a big thing. Like you know, this is freaking cool, you know. So that's why I, I love to do this because it's just fun to do, you know. Yeah, I think podcasting is it's been a huge help for me just like listening to it because I feel like you know you could listen to like listening to a conversation is uh I think it opens your mind up uh in a way that maybe like you can't do just by thinking about something yourself and so having that dialogue with somebody and nowadays you can you can listen to a podcast uh with any about with anybody on any subject and learn something new and, and hear a different voice, give a different opinion. And, and I feel like we, yeah, we need more of that. I feel like we don't have a, a lot of like poetry podcasts. You know, I feel poetry is not, is not big or in favor in, or in vogue uh, nowadays. And, and I feel like the more, more power to you for, for picking that subject. And, uh, you know, I feel like it still has something to offer people. Um, I often wonder why, like, poetry is not as popular as maybe it, it, it used to be, or, uh, you know, because it seems like it'd be, like, the perfect form in this kind of a society we live in that is very, like, wants everything in, like, bite-sized formats or easily consumable pieces. Feels like you would rather want to read a poem than, like, read a whole novel, you know? Uh that doesn't seem to be yeah. the case, and I, I kind of uh, sometimes I wonder why that is. Yeah, I wonder that too. Um, I remember I used to. Um, it's been a long time, but there was a guy I saw to hear Joe Steele, and he I think he was the one that brought me into this whole podcast thing because he was. Uh, I don't know if he still does it, but I remember he was doing it. I think he was the first one in the community to try to do it, and then I kind of just jumped on the bandwagon with him. Like, oh yeah, I'll do one too, and you know, honestly, there was no. At the beginning, there was no exact structure exactly because when I first did this, um, I originally had a community page. 
So uh, I never, yeah, I never really, I don't think I've ever told you about the story, but uh, for those who have followed me from the beginning, um, my original poetry page was called Jam Them Down. And the reason why it was called that, because the word jam, that's actually my initials when I address Morales. And, um, and I don't know, I didn't write them down. I just put Jam Them Down just to be fancy because everybody had these cool, <laughs> fancy names. And then um, somehow... I, the more I interacted with people, uh, there was all these community pages, but as there were these community pages, there was also sub community pages. They were no longer around. Um, you know, in the goodness, you know, I, I have to keep it real. You know, there's also some weirdness that happens behind the scenes that, you know, a lot of people don't know about is what it is. And I think what, and me coming into the, like, in the middle of whenever it was created, it was like, oh man, all these pieces are leaving. Oh, that sucks. You know, and then eventually I ended up finding out what happened, whatever. I said, and I just got inspired. I said, oh, we can't stop this. And then that's why I created that. I turned my poetry page into a community page. And then eventually it changed from Jam Them Down to Ink Sessions Live. And I had, I actually had a whole team. And during that time, the podcast um so i would like because you couldn't you couldn't download the episodes and the lives at the time wouldn't stay on after you record it it would be just 24 hours and then the live was gone but that's how it used to be originally so i would do this um thing where i'm plugging my computer onto the device you know my phone onto the device record the audio, you know, extract the audio, and then I will upload it onto the podcast. And then once they started doing this thing, okay, now you can save the lives, then I kind of put the podcast on low, on hold, and then the community page eventually dissolved, you know, because whatever, it, um, certain members had, like, their own personal stuff they had to deal with. And then I said, you know what, I, I wouldn't mind. So I went back into the podcasting, but I no longer have a community page. It's, just, it's a lot of work, honestly, to have, like, a community page and to have a team and to really be consistent on it, because it's like, that means you got to really be on top of people. Hey, don't forget to post this or to feature this. And it's like, yeah, I'll just stick to the podcasting. So then I started a season two, then I started a season three and all this other stuff. And yeah, and then I, I had like a hiatus, came back, had another hiatus. And now um, I'm just coming back now to doing this. Um, it, it's just one of those things like, you know, I, I guess I had to, uh, as far as the podcasting, as far as like community page, you know, as far as, I mean, community page, as, far as uh, just poetry in general, I had to find myself where I could fit in, even though I feel, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, um, even though I try, not, not fit in, but more like how I can stand out in a way that, okay, I'm different from everything and everyone else, but we're all in this together kind of thing. I, I, don't know if that last sentence made sense, but that's pretty much how this whole podcast. You're trying to, came you're trying to find your niche is like, you're trying to find your niche, your pocket, your, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So it was such a, it was such a weird process though. Cause I think when 2020 came in with the coronavirus and um, just cause a lot of things changed too. That That's another thing that, that's another thing that took to effect. Um, a lot of people were doing more lives more mm-hmm. on that time because of the lockdown and we really could not do nothing. And then finally, when little by little, the things were restricted, um, the restrictions were off, then it was like, okay, 
you know, we're still doing this, but it's not as much as it used to be because it was like every day it was going live. Like that's, mm -hmm. and you know, everybody, me, Joe Steele, and we took advantage of that. I said, oh, hey, let's do lives too and let's record podcasting because that's all I was doing for a while. And then again, I had a fight. I had a whole hiatus and it came back and stuff like that. But um, just me coming back this time around, um, yeah, like you said, I, I think I'm, yeah, I found my niche. Like, I don't really know these terms like that. Yeah, I found my niche or I'm, I'm finding my niche. I'm finding my pocket, I guess you could say. And I'm exploring other avenues as well. But it's fun. You know, I, I love I love the fact that we can do this, record this and just have it. You know, it's just it's just a good thing to have. You know, it's a good resource to have. There's a lot of content out there, too, for podcasting. I feel like if you're talking about poets on instagram there you know there are a lot of i think there's a lot of good poetry that's on instagram like there's a lot of bad stuff too and and that it could even be its own content as well but uh you know there is a lot of content out there i think uh that's maybe going unused or unrecognized or unnoticed uh and so i feel like there's the potential there you know to to kind of mine the the platform for for that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So I feel like that's a great idea uh, to do like a, a poetry podcast on here. Yeah. Cause I know there's, um, I know there's other ones that I discovered. I mean, it looked like they were even there before me and Joe, but it wasn't really known like that. Um, unless like, Oh, I would find it by accident or something, but I don't know as I'm saying, like I'm still trying to understand the whole podcasting game, if that makes sense. So I'm still trying to like, I guess trying to understand how to navigate, I guess. I, I don't know if that's the correct word. Uh, I don't yeah. know if that's the word I'm looking for. But yeah, it's just, it, it's interesting because now I find little things with the following, like as I said, it's not a lot and it's not as popular, but it should be. I mean, I, I don't want to be the only person doing it. I want to be the one that inspires people to want to do their own. And then there's like a big audience of, um, you know, a poetry section of podcasting. I feel like, you know, if there is, there's not a lot of it. And I feel like we should have more, you know, I feel like we should have different alternatives because it's good, you know, um, it's good to have that. I mean, there's not a lot. I know there's button poetry. They have somewhat of a podcast. I think Rattle has something, but it's more like a YouTube-ish live. Yeah. Than it is a podcast, but. I think the problem is like, curation uh like finding the the good stuff you know because there's so much poetry out there uh like there's an immense amount like everybody who has written anything has probably written a poem and so there's so much out there to wade through and and i think like if somebody could uh, have a podcast that could find the good stuff the like the gems and then present it and build up that credibility that you know like when you listen to them that they're going to be talking about uh interesting poets and interesting poems uh you know they'd be i think that's a good that's a way to build a base is to to know that to have this kind of authority that people come to you for for reading good poetry or for hearing good poetry you know right right yeah I agree with you on that one, man, for real. I feel like, uh, I definitely feel like poetry is very underrated, in my opinion. And we need to... Yeah, why do you think great... that is? What... 
I don't know. I always wonder. I mean, I don't know if there's not enough people interested enough to. But I, I don't know. I always wonder yeah. that because poetry comes in different shapes and forms, even in music too. Like you know, even though it's a beat, it's a it's a sound, and they have instruments and stuff like that. But you know, in some way, you know, whether it's hip hop or whether it's just music, you know, just rock music or whatever. But that's still, in a way, it's kind of a form of poetry. It's just they're singing, not really saying the words but i mean but i don't know i, I don't know that just that, that, that is something i always um oh i always wondered that same thing to be honest with you yeah yeah I, yeah I, i've thought i've thought about it too and i you know i uh i think there's probably a like a few a few different reasons uh I think, you know, two people do turn to music because there is a connection between music and poetry and lyrics and poetry. Oh, I, I do think that they are separate. They like they can do different things. Uh, I think I. Uh, like there's I think there's a sense that people get that they're not sure if they're going to get anything out of poetry uh, right. because it, you know, poetry has become so uh so subjective uh and so idiosyncratic like it that it's hard for people i think to connect with the poem because they don't understand maybe maybe somebody is just writing down whatever's coming into their head their thoughts and 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 they write a poem and and then they put it out there and and somebody else has to interpret it or, or try to translate it in their mind and and so there's there's this like disconnect where, you know, and I feel this too sometimes, like when I read some poetry, uh, you know, I'll, I'll lose interest or I'll lose focus if I can't find that connection with the poem. Uh, it might mean something to the person who's writing it, but, uh, you know, if they're not, if they're not communicating to me with, uh, with some level of like, I don't know, a standard set of like thoughts and images and metaphors, then it's very hard to connect with them. And I feel like a lot of people feel that they, when they think of poetry, they think, oh, it's too abstract or it's too like, it's, it's too subjective and, and, and I'm not going to get anything out of it when I read it. And I feel like that's a, that's a big problem in the same way of like, you think about like visual arts nowadays, like, people I think look down on visual arts they go to like museums and stuff or art galleries and they see this art and they're like I don't understand what that means because it's just like splashes of color or it's like it's just like yes like uh it's kind of incomprehensible uh and they go I don't know what it means and so then they just ignore it and I feel like that's a lot of poetry is people read it and they go I don't know what that means and then they move on from it. Um, and so I feel like if poetry may be like, I don't know, I think like people would read it more if they thought that they got something out of it or they were going to get something out of it. And I've had that mindset when I try to write. I'm like, okay, if you read one of my poems, then I, I feel like you're going to understand it at, uh, at least on, on a basic level. Because it, it is mostly I'm writing in like narrative uh, or dramatic poetry. So there's like a story there. And so you can lock on or you can grab onto the story. Um, right. And so it's like something. Uh, 
rather than just like stream of consciousness, like whatever comes to your mind in whatever form it comes to. I think that can be off-putting for a lot of people. Um, and then another, another, I think maybe problem is that it, it's maybe, it's maybe too like diary ish. Uh, like it's people's diary entries of how they feel. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, uh, you know, people read stuff because they, they want to be entertained and they want to find something interesting. Uh, and they want to feel like they're going to get something out of it. And, and a lot of the stuff that's, you know, I write in my diary is not very interesting to anybody but me. And so I try to like keep it in my diary, uh, and when I'm writing a poem, I'm like, okay, what do I think is going to be interesting for somebody uh, and me? Like, I'm always included in that. But also, what's going to be interesting to to somebody else? Uh, an interesting story, an interesting, like, anecdote, an interesting idea. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I think, like, if people came to it with the idea, like, they're going to get something out of it, and they're going to get something out of it, like, the same way that they would watch a movie or read a book then I think that we would poetry would like climb back up into people's like good graces and, right. and they'd be more willing to read it, you know? Yeah. That, that, wow. I, I guess, yeah. The way you broke that down was, yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. I think what it comes down to, like you said, if there's a sense of, I like if, okay, we're going to get something out of it, then hopefully it's interesting enough where I can get something out of it in some shape form uh, that actually makes sense actually um yeah um i think other than that yeah i mean not really much i can say but yeah i, I definitely agree with that for sure 100 percent. but yeah, like, cause I, like, think, I think you can read i think you can read you know poems for the beautiful words that come somebody comes up with uh or the beautiful maybe like string of words that somebody comes up with uh but if that's all it is then uh you know, I think people are, people lose interest like quickly, uh, because there is so much good art out there nowadays. Like you have to like, I think you have to to rise to an occasion uh, to give people something that that is really they find valuable to themselves. Um, right. I think poetry can do that because it's you can tell a whole story in like a few lines. Uh, yeah. And you can you can do it so well that it leaves a mark on people, and that they go wow, and then they can think about it back to it, and they can think about those lines, and they can hold those words inside of them because there 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 aren't very many of them. You can write a short poem that sticks with somebody, and they'll remember the words um, in a, in a way that they wouldn't remember like words or phrases from a book or a novel. Um, so I think the potential is there. Yeah, Robert Kazi says it has to be memorable and authentic and show some heart and relatability. Yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, that makes sense. I definitely agree with that in a way. It's like yes yeah. and no. Yeah. Yeah, what do you I think. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, authentic, you know, any any art should be like genuine and I think that that's what people really pick up on in art is when they feel like something's genuine and unique uh, or like well-crafted too. Um, you know, I think people like a common, I think 
the best is when they're all in combination. Something's genuine. Uh, so it's like heartfelt and, and that usually mean that it means that it's relatable because anything genuine, I think people can relate to what's genuine, uh, but also something that's well-crafted, you know, uh, like just think of the last, like the last, like really good movie that you've seen that was just so well put together and the story was told so well, like there's a craft involved in that. Uh, and I think there's a craft in every art that we practice, um, I think that there's a craft in poetry too. And, uh, and, uh, and it's there for us to like use and, and, and do good, interesting things with. Yeah. No, I, uh, pacing is key as well. In my opinion, that's what uh, Robert Kazi said. Pacing, pacing of the, of the story. You mean? Yeah. Is that what you mean? Or just in general, if you mean in general, yeah, I see what you said. Pacing, like yeah, you don't want to go too fast. You don't want to go too slow either. You you want to find the right the right pace for your thoughts to See, walk like, around in. Okay, fine. Like for example, when um, like back in the sixties, you know, like you see how poetry at that time was so different, and it was so like it, it was big at one point. I like to believe, you know, during Allen Ginsberg time, because he used it to voice something that he didn't agree with. Because before his time, it was the silent generation. It was the, sh you know, okay, we don't, we don't talk about that kind of stuff. Um, I believe it was, I don't know if it was post-World War II or post-Vietnam. I always mixed, I always mixed that up. But, um, you know, like, I know I know it was after war. I, I, I don't know which war it was, but it was just the whole, okay, this is the way we structured our students to learn about things. And Allen Ginsberg was like, um, you know, we could talk about this too. Like, and it was like, no, no, like, what are you doing? And, you know, he's a very countercultural person. And I, I like to think at that time, I like to think that, you know, poetry did reach some kind of a high at one point where he used that to his ability. You know, I guess he, he, he used that as a, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, he, I guess he could, he used that as a strategy to voice the things that he disagreed with. He was very countercultural. He just wanted to express the fact that basically saying, if we don't do this or if we think differently about a certain thing, then maybe it can get better or it can get worse. Like, that's the way he spoke, and I think at that time, he was very, like, you know, you, you read, let's say that piece Howl right now, like, okay, yeah, that's, that's cool. You read that back in the day, that was like, no, why is he writing like that? No, like, that's very controversial at the time, you know, and it just makes you think, like, I feel like we can do, I mean, I, I don't want to be controversial either, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like we could do something where poetry can be up and high again, if that makes sense. I don't know if high is the right but, you know, we can we can make it big again, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was a, definitely a moment. I think that part of the reason that they were so popular is because they were in, like, a group and they were part of a cultural moment. Uh, there was, a, like, a countercultural moment. And Howl, I think, was, it was popular because, like, it kind of broke a lot of the traditional uh, rules of poetry, Uh and it was like crass and it was raw 
Uh, and I'm sure like the, the trial that it had helped its, uh, the publicity that it got from the trial helped its like status and reputation. Cause you know, it was this like, uh, this, uh, outrageous, like obscene poem. Uh, but I think that there was, uh, some genuine sentiment, uh, behind why he wrote it. Um, I mean, I, I like the I like the sentiment of the poem. I love some of Ginsburg's stuff when he reads it. When I read it on on the paper itself, uh, it doesn't move me as much. I think as when I hear him read it and I can hear his voice in it, uh, and and I get that like kind of like like he's very like. I mean, he's howling when he's when he's reading it. Like it seems like it's a really like a, a cry from his soul about all of yeah. these maybe injustices that he sees in the world, and he's put it into this form. Uh, and he does. I mean, he does. I don't. I don't think that it's structurally or for like in its form or its structure. I don't think it's like that interesting. But I think I love the like metaphor he has of like that he uses of mammon. Like he invokes all of these uh, these old biblical kinds of gods, and I think that's something that poetry can do, or they can draw from too. Is this this old like body of work, these old images uh, that you can that you know existed in poetry in oral poetry back in the day, and uh, and I think that's what he does, and and he does it very well. Um, but yeah, I think poetry is. It's using those those like metaphors on like a very uh, like kind of the most uh, I don't want to say it. I think that's like one of its primary functions is to use these these kind is to play around with metaphor and to find the right metaphor image uh, to present its idea. And Howell does that. Like it, it does use it does use these old biblical metaphors. Um, but in like a modern, with a modern sensibility and a modern issue that it's dealing with. And I think that that's what it does maybe well. Um, and that's what's maybe its lasting value too. Uh, wow. Yeah. And, and I think, it, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Um, you know, so I ha had a question of, and, I, and I hate when I forget my Oh, damn. I, was gonna I, was, I was rambling, uh, too, so you, it, No, it's fine. No, because, you know, it's, I love to just listen, and it's like, wow. Like, you know, it's so intriguing because, again, like, how one conversation can turn into this whole thing. And so, um, so as far as Allen Ginsberg's concerned, yeah, everything you said about him was 100%, yes. And I think that's what it is, too. Now I feel like the value of those things, I think it's been lost, you know, in, in, in so many ways. It's like, like, how do we get back to that? You know, if it's even possible, you know, and like I said, I'm not trying to be like, you know, yeah, I'm gonna get arrested because I said something obscene. No, I'm not like that either. But it's like, you know, I, I want to have some kind of lasting impact, uh, you know, something that when they hear it, when they, 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 yeah, like we, we're poets, we, 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 we write a lot, but we have stories to tell too. And say, like, hey, you can check out this guy, you can check out this guy, see where he gets his inspiration from. Oh, that's why he does that. Okay. But like you said, it's like, um, 
when you're reading something on a piece of paper, it doesn't move you in opposed to like when you actually hear him saying it. There, there we go. Thank you. Okay. So that's the thing too, because when I read the poem the first time, I'm like, okay, this is a really long poem. And these are words, I guess, I don't know a lot of these words he used. And I said, let me see if he ever recited them somewhere or like if there's like anywhere where, and then on Spotify, it just happens to have like an album of him re pretty much reciting the entire book. But it, it's like a, because he has a book called Howl and then other poems. And they happen to have that on Spotify. So, oh, okay, now I can read along. And as I'm reading along and he's saying it, I felt like I was there and I'm watching him recite his poem. And I think that's why I feel like having a podcast and anything with poetry related in that subject should, that, that should be the reason why we should do this more. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great uh, performer. I've listened to his stuff on YouTube, uh, and you can find uh, some good stuff. There's this great poem that he reads. Uh, I, I can't remember the title, but it's it's like a poem about him, about uh, like an acid trip he did or, or a mushroom trip or something uh, that he did. And I've like never heard anybody... Uh, describe like a, a, a hallucinogenic trip quite in the same way that he does and he does it so well uh, and it was one of the best I think readings that I've that I've ever heard from him uh, and he tells the whole story of how you know he entered this world after taking the stuff and and the kinds of thoughts that he had there and uh, and this overwhelming feeling of like love and stuff and 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 yeah it, when he performs it it, it he like has like a just an an excellent like narrator's voice, uh, and it feels like he's telling you a story, and and you you uh, you believe uh, you're willing to go with him wherever it is that he takes you because you trust in his kind of authorial voice that he has. I think he's like an excellent performer. No, I definitely yeah, definitely we were on that. And like you said, the whole thing of him describing, yeah, like everything he talks about in a lot of his pieces that I've read, that I've heard him talk about, it's very descriptive. It's not just okay. The 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 moon was white. It's more like it was light. It was white like snow, or as as the radiant. Like he just goes into this whole thing, and I'm just like, that's deep. Like that's really deep, and like. It, it's interesting, like I said, like, like like we were saying before, it's just like he just does, he did these things so well that's like, wow, you know? You know, it's funny too, like, um, I only knew about this gener uh, big generation thing because um, I, I I did, I had a episode with um, this guy, this professor from, um, oh my God, what, what college did he go to in Chicago? Uh, uh, Oh my god, I forgot the name of the school, but he's the one. I, his name is Tony Tregilio. He's the one that got me into this. We did like the interview, and we did like a thing where okay, we're gonna read people's poets poems from the community, and then but it's related to the B generation. But this particular life we did was interesting because um, Allen Ginsberg had a friend named Elise Cowan, which a lot of people don't know of her because she had committed suicide. Uh, long story short, what ended up happening was when I know her, she was in love with him, but like, like he didn't really feel that way about her. And I, I know he was homosexual and stuff like that. 
And it seemed like he was very complacent with their friendship. And then when she was going through a lot of mental illnesses and stuff, she ended up, I think she jumped out the window, if I'm not mistaken. And the thing is, her parents were Jewish. And with um, they, they lived in a culture where it was like, no, what is all this? So they told their neighbor to take all of her writings and to burn it, like pretty much get rid of it and burn it. And I think there was another roommate she had in college that happened to have a notebook that she wrote. And even, well, when I spoke to Tony Tregilio, he was like, oh, well, you know, um, he could have did this much sooner, but he did it. And it was like, I think, I forgot how many years he said it was that it wasn't that many. It wasn't until a long time where he decided, okay, we're going to publish the pieces. So that's why there's only that one book. Or which is kind of rare to find. Like, I think they have it in Amazon for, uh, I think, like $90 or something because it's just out of print kind of thing. But it's one of those things like, see, but this is what I'm saying. Stories that, like, there's probably other poets that we're never going to know about. And that's why I want I want to do that. I want to keep doing this so we can know about them. If, <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. I feel like I went randomly all over the place. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great poets out there and and, and there's got to be somebody who curates them and finds them and 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 presents them to the world. Uh, I think that's true of any art. Is that you need that you have the the artist creating the art, and then you have the whatever the the business end on top of it is. You know the people who are starting like publishing houses and presses, uh, right. and the people who are doing podcasts, who are finding these people and, and I feel like you need that that like uh, layer on top of the people creating the art to kind of like bring it to the world um, yeah I, I agree no definitely definitely so um, alright so basically I'm gonna um, bring this to a close it's already you know a little bit past of nine and I have to start getting ready to go to sleep oh yeah me too it's late there huh? Early in the morning. What happened? I said it's late there, huh? You're in Jersey. Yeah, it's um, yeah. So it's nine eighteen at night. I have to be at the at work by six because it's like truck and stuff like that. And um, it, I think I have twelve pallets or something of truck. Um, I, I work at a pharmacy. Where I have to, yeah, it's a whole. Because <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say. I don't know how that stuff. I don't know if I'm allowed to say where I work exactly. But and anyway, um, so um, actually, you know what? There's one more question I want to ask, and then I'll close it. Um, tell me a little bit about that um, poi spin thing that you do. I think that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, I don't think I have. Yeah. Uh, that's, like, uh, just something I do for, like, exercise and for, like, uh, zen, recentering myself. Uh, and, and, yeah, I've done that maybe for, like, I don't know, like, 10 10 years on and off. Uh, I've gotten back into it recently within like the last two, two years, like seriously and use it as like a, just a form of exercise. And uh, actually as a stimulus to thought too, I think it really helps with thinking. Uh, Cause I think one of the ways that, to stimulate your thinking is like to actually like get up and move around and like do things. And, uh, there's a lot of complex movements involved when you're spinning poi. And so, you know, a lot of times when I write, I'll just be spinning 
uh, freestyling and, and and trying to like maybe do some very difficult moves or spins or tricks and and doing that will like kind of focus me in and then I can like think better. I find I can think better when I'm doing it. Uh, so yeah, it's a form of exercise. It's a form of thought. Uh, it looks really cool uh, when you turn the lights out and you're spinning. And I, I got into it with my friends when we were in our like twenties and, and uh, yeah, now we just do it every, every so often we hang out and just spin and uh, yeah, it's pretty fun. And there's a That's fun, cool. there's a fun uh, spinning community or poi community on Instagram too. And so I, I love watching their stuff. Oh, um, really? Okay. So I, I got to check this out now. See, like, this is what I'm saying. See, we, we would have never told me that. I would have never even known that. To be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yo, Robert, thank you so much for doing this live with me. Thank you for being a part of, um, I guess, history, I guess. Um, <laughs> Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. I think I really believe that. Uh, Thank you for agreeing to do this episode with me. Um, Just to let everybody know, um, I'm definitely going to keep the live on here. But um, sometime before the weekend, the week is over, I'm going to upload the audio onto the actual podcast so you can hear the audio as well. Uh, For those who don't know, it's on Spotify, it's on Google, it's on Apple, it's on Pandora, it's on iHeartRadio. It's on it's the other place, Amazon Music, and I believe the other place I have it on is on. Uh, I think. Oh man, I, I don't even know the top of my heart. I, I, in the top of my head, I believe it's. Oh, I'm gonna look at my story quick. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Uh, okay, hold up. So it's yeah, Google, Apple, um, iHeartRadio, Amazon. Pandora. Yeah, that's it. Oh, that, that was it. Okay. Oh, my God. Yeah, so this big book, my podcast is available on those platforms, so you have different options to check out. Uh, so, again, Robert, thank you for joining me and doing this with me. Uh, thank you, guys, for showing up in this live. You know, um, we'll see you next time. And, yeah, so thank you, Robert. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night. Thanks so much for having me, man. See you later. Yeah, no doubt, man. We got to do this again sometime, man. Absolutely, yeah. Whatever you want. See you, man. No doubt. All right, later.